Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. My name's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, Al. How you How's doing? How's it going? Oh, hey. I'm good. I'm good. If you've noticed um, on our YouTube video, we got a new sign from your brother for Christmas. It says live on air. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we are probably actually, nobody watching this is actually live on air, but we are live at this point right at, now. Right as we're speaking, we're live. Yeah. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. When you hear it, it certainly won't be. Yeah. But. Yeah. But hey, you know, let's uh, six of one, half dozen of the other, I mm-hmm. suppose. It's, so how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, I'm juiced up. I've, I've been trying this new drink called Starry. S-T-A-R-R-Y. It's not even caffeinated. It's the replacement for Sierra Mist. And I had like five, four, four of them today. Now, I have the zero sugar. That's some pretty good stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. any, you know, any of those like Coke Zero or any stuff like that? Like we love Coke Zero. Yeah, that's like a treat for us. Yeah. And this isn't an ad, by the way. I mean, we don't, we're not big enough to be sponsored by Coke or Pepsi. So. Um, but if we're like in a restaurant, we get Coke Zeros with some lemon squeezed in and it's a delightful. That is a treat. A treat. An absolute treat. Real treat. Yeah. So that, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm also excited about, I've been uh, working, if you're a patron, you know about this already, but I've been working out a little hef- heftier weights I went to the local gym, pushing some like 450 pounds on the sled and all that stuff Pretty so impressive yeah yeah it's i'm um, excited i'm gonna try to find a find some muscles i think i need to lose about like what 15 percent body fat because i'm like 30 percent. so that's pretty fat <laughs> you know as far as people are concerned <laughs> so i think that's more morbidly obese or just obese well obesity oh, is based on bmi okay that, so that has nothing to do with your body fat percentage i'm definitely in the in the obese center so i got quite a bit of ways to go before hey you, see. you can only put one foot in front of the other yeah and that's what i'm doing so we'll see if we can see some muscles now come back in like six months on the youtube and i'll see if we got like guns you're gonna be svelte yeah yeah you know i just want to maybe see an ab before i die and you're being very committed you're getting up early in the morning you're really good getting good about your bedtime because you used to play call of duty or as you would say cod yeah until probably close to midnight and then you know coming to bed now you're getting to bed at like 9 30 it's really i mean you've turned over a, a big leaf well i miss my friends that i used to be able to talk to on there you know and they still text and say hey you want to get on i'm like yeah i will at some point but I, this is like a real big priority for me right now right so i'm just you know trying this out and yeah waking up at 5 30 getting to the gym by six mm-hmm. and it's uh it's been pretty cool just one week so we'll see what happens yeah but. we'll have to you just got to keep that momentum going i'll tell you, I'm, you jazzed. I'm jazzed I got i'm jazzed hands. i'm glad that you're jazzed yeah me too so uh, what's going on with you Mm, same old same old we're getting ready for the super bowl we're recording this the night early so tomorrow is super bowl or when you're listening perhaps today and then valentine's day is coming up yeah and um we don't really get each other anything for valentine's no not really we remember we probably talked about it last year we just make a nice dinner together as a family we figure like i kind of put my foot down i'm like i shouldn't be buying you like expensive things and i get nothing you know it's like it's not the woman's you know holiday it's not or anything it's not that i'm against buying you things but it's if you want to i guess right. you know yeah. you can yeah whatever. you're not that's just how we roll so yeah. i'm like well how about we just make a nice meal together and you came up with that and we're like yeah instead of like you worrying about me doing something because usually i screw that up um <laughs> you're just like how about we just make a nice dinner together and then we hang out and whatever yeah just so a I, reason to make something a little special on a tuesday night this year yeah so what are we gonna do like steak, a shrimp, shrimp pasta oh yeah shrimp that's mm-hmm. gonna be good Shrimp's yeah good. Yeah, so besides that, we got, what, our kid? We had to go to an orientation for high school for our, for our son. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it's, uh, so things are things are going. Time's a ticking. Yeah, we're, we're older than we've ever been. And, and now we're even older. And now we're even older. <laughs> yeah. So if you're ready to go. um, well, How about we talk about our reviews? <gasps> that's right. I am just getting, I guess I'm the one that's jazzed up. Yeah, I'm just ready to up. dive right into this thing. Absolutely. So, hey, thanks for listening. We're getting a lot of people listening from uh, Spotify. I mean, it's now our number one platform so hey spotifyers thanks very much um if you're on um apple podcasts or uh audible amazon audible please leave us a review and maybe we'll read it um either way leave us a review we'd greatly appreciate it just want to read one of the most recent ones here it says love this brand new listener my friend recommended i listen to the adam walsh episode and i was hooked easy to listen to and great research yeah thank you guys nice and easy something like that Mm -hmm. i mean leave like your favorite soda in there you know as long as there's some words apple doesn't care they're just like oh we're apple we just have an automated bot looking at this I yeah. mean, positive words might be nice, right. but if positive. you want to just say your favorite soda, that works too. Yeah, just like five stars, my favorite soda is Pepsi. That's fine. Go Boop. ahead. Done. And love you guys. Okay. Yeah. Stuff like that. Or even like, like you strongly like us. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe you're not at love and that's okay. Um, but besides that, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, we come to you every single Sunday around 9 a.m. Eastern. So keep on listening. Yeah. Subscribe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you're ready to do this, I am. I'm always ready. Born okay. Ready. 
So this um, is kind of a twofold story here. You're kind of getting two for the price of one on this episode. So the first story came to us from a listener suggestion by Kendra. It's a newer case. I took as much information as I possibly could, and it wasn't really fitting into a full episode. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a theme on this and pick another one as well. So this is the theme of this um, today's episode is stalking. And nobody wants a stalker. No. So the definition of stalking is a pattern of behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear for their safety or the safety of others or suffers substantial emotional distress. And that's probably the pain in court that you have to prove that it's a reasonable person. Mm -hmm. You know, would think that it's this is too much. Sure. I mean, I could like say hello to my neighbor twice and they're like you're after me and it's like it's no like, you're not being reasonable i've just said hello twice that's we're, just allison being here. nice and she doesn't do it often so that's enjoy. rare yeah so the, this person can have interaction with the other person through various methods doesn't really matter how it could be phone calls texts of course now in this day and age there's a whole heck of a lot more ways of reaching a person than there was maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, like less in person and more just, uh, I guess, creative ways to do it. So whether you're tagging them in things or whatever it might be, any social media. Harassing place. somebody online, berating them. And I'm always floored by how nasty people can be online. I have never left a mean thing to anybody online ever. I just, I can't do it. Um, I like might you go to like Instagram of the stars or yes. something and they're like, you look like a you know, ugly hoe or something. That's like, what is wrong with your life that you have to do that to me? I, I can't possibly understand what would possess a person to say such nasty things about a person they don't know. Yeah. It, it, it just shocks me. So, um, you know, there's social media. There's you could be sending somebody unwanted gifts. You can have direct contact, contact through friends, you know, maybe harassing their friend. Hey, talk to so and so for me. Um, by monitoring or surveilling them, by you know directly threatening them, property damage. There's so many different ways that can be considered stalking. Unwanted gifts are interesting because Amazon's so simple just to keep on sending mm-hmm. stuff, and it could be you know sexually explicit or not, either one, and just stuff. And it's like I don't want to owe you anything. That's exactly what it is. I don't like even. I remember when we were first married, we were so young. I'd go out with my classmates to a bar, and these guys would buy us drinks, and I'm like dude, please don't buy me a drink because you're getting nothing from me. I just don't like that sense of feeling like I owe somebody something. It's a feeling of reciprocity. Um, We Mm -hmm. get taught that in sales. So a lot of times if you like give somebody something of value, they're like, okay, I can help you out. Right. Reminds me of Seinfeld when he got the Armani suit. Yeah. And he's like, you could take me to dinner. Yeah. He's like, that's not dinner. That's soup. (laughs) So the majority of stalking victims are women. It's estimated that one in three women, however men can be, um, one in six men will experiencing stalking will experience stalking in their lifetime. And I don't know if it's social media or not, but it seems like there's a lot more situations like that popping up. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like the person just won't leave them alone, and whether they're a guy or a girl, and they're like, you know, trying to ruin their lives on social media and stuff. It's just right. so accessible. That's the problem. Well, that is the thing because now celebrities can almost feel like your friends because you're friends with them on Instagram. So you see their whole life. You get a direct view into their life, and some celebrities post a lot. So so you see what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and you might feel like this of course somebody that's of sound mind i don't think would like feel like they're friends with them but it's well you do feel like hey we would be friends if we hung out sure i mean you feel like that about reese witherspoon she'd let's, be my best let's call it out you might even be a listener reese and if you are but you know, i'm Nelson not message. deluded to think right. that she knows of my existence right you know she, what she i'm pro- saying let's be honest she probably listens she probably does yeah. of course so um, again, this I kind of wanted to do a balance. So this one is a man being stalked, and then I'm doing my second story with a woman being oh, stalked. Man, interesting, cool. And you know, it all depends on laws, state to state, but stalking is illegal in all 50 states. So here we're going to jump right into it. Our first victim is Kenneth Fandrich, and this was the listener suggestion from Kendra. So thank you, Kendra. So 56-year-old Kenneth Fandrich began being stalked and harassed in 2017. I did not picture a 56-year-old. Yeah. It's, okay. I mean, that just kind of goes to show it can happen to anybody at any time. Mm-hmm. It all began with a piece of hate mail that was sent to his Oregon City home. The letter had been disguised as coming from his union, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. So he's opening what he thinks is a piece of mail. It's not. It was hate mail. So after this, then his truck was broken into. A condom was put um, under a pair of his wife's work gloves, maybe to give her suspicion that maybe he was cheating on her. Regardless, somebody that's screwing with your life. 
Um, eventually, at one point, a bomb squad had to come out to his place because there was a large suspicious device found under his car. He was trying to tell them, I know who's behind this. I know who did this. Yeah, I was good. I was going to say you probably have a decent idea. Mm-hmm. Some whoever's been most recently annoying you about something and is mad at you about whatever reason, that's probably that person. But ultimately, this contraption that was under his car ended up being a GPS tracker. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's just got to be a sickening feeling to think that you're driving around town and somebody knows exactly where you are at any given time. Yeah. And then you're constantly looking around like, did they put something else on mm-hmm. me or on my kids? Is my phone bugged? It's just such a violation. So Kenneth filed a series of stalking orders against 55-year-old Steve Milner. So this is who's doing the stalking. So Steve is a retired veterinarian surgeon who currently, and honestly, I looked it up, he owns uh, Oregon City Animal Hospital. It's called Milner Veterinary Hospital. Hmm. He also, I guess they found, owns a marijuana farm. So Kenneth claimed that the issues began with Steve when... Steve was having an affair with Kenneth's Kenneth's wife of 30 years. This is Tanya Fandrich. So um, Tanya and Steve had an affair. When that affair ended, Steve just started harassing Kenneth. Okay. So I mean, if anything, Kenneth should be harassing Steve. Exactly. Right? Be like, leave my wife alone, you piece mm-hmm. of shit. But it was the opposite. And uh, go smoke your weed, man. You'd figure a guy with a marijuana farm would be a little bit a more chill. A little bit more chill. Yeah. So as recently as 2016, Tanya worked at Steve's vet clinic in Oregon City, and the two began their affair. It had been at least two years that Steve was stalking Kenneth um, at the time of the story. But, so but weird. Probably more than that. Because okay. I'm reading it starting in 2017, and this is basically all coming to a head basically right at this time. Like, what's the end game here? Like, what, really, what, what are you, you trying want? to do? Yeah, I mean, are you trying to kill the guy and you know, so you can be with his wife? That's almost more understandable than the stalking. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, not that it's good at all, Of obviously. course not. We don't condone murder. No, no, but man, what a weirdo. So on March 2nd, 2022, so this is just this past, less than a year ago, Kenneth called 911 saying that Steve had followed him from Oregon City to Cornelius Pass. This is a 28-mile or 35-minute drive that he saw that that Steve was tailing him. So he calls 911, tells the police, police come and pull Steve over. Steve admits to following Kenneth, but he tried to spin it. He told the officer that Kenneth had beaten his wife. So he was following. So Steve's married also. No, he's oh, that, uh, that Kenneth, Kenneth beat, his, beat own wife. his wife, Tanya. Got it. Okay. And that Steve is stepping in as the nice guy to help defuse the situation and protect Tanya, who is his former employee. So he's telling the officer this, and he wants to follow Kenneth so that he can talk about it to him. Steve's like, look, I tried to get police involved. I tried to get their assistance. Nobody's helping me, so I I was taking some matters into my own hands. Like, you would understand if uh, this happened. You want to protect this woman, right? Mm -hmm. But according to the report, the officer spoke with Kenneth, who sounded terrified. He stated that Steve was going to cut me up into little pieces because he is a surgeon. Kenneth explained that he and his wife were having marital problems, though she was the one that had been arrested at one point for domestic violence, not him. Ah. There was never any proof that he had ever touched his wife. Years previously, Steve had bailed Tanya out of jail. So, you know, Tanya and Steve are having this affair. She gets put in jail because of this domestic, you know, report. And Steve comes and bails her out. Uh, The knight in shining armor. But according to Tanya, this was when their relationship um, between her and Steve ended. It was done. So it was done already. At, at this time, yes. Okay, so Steve is trying to maybe rekindle the relationship with Tanya at this point. That's what I'm guessing. Okay. So Kenneth told the officer that he was trying to get police to do something about this. Steve had been stalking him for years, but nothing was happening. It and was just going on and on. You hear that time and time again with stalking cases. They're mm-hmm. like, I mean, we can you know, watch your house or whatever, but it's like until they do something, you can't do anything. Right. But there are, you know, you can put um, what are the uh, restraining orders and things like that against people. Right. But other than that, you I mean, the police aren't going to physically watch you 24 right. seven. They're they not going to be bodyguards for you. Right. That's scary that's like the worst situation to be in it's a horrible vulnerable situation and anytime i'm listening to podcasts that cover stalking cases 
my heart goes out to these victims so much because it's it's very helpless. Very, you you want to help them somehow? Mm-hmm. Like, man, I wish I could help this guy out. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you were rich and you could hire a bodyguard, that'd be one thing. But the majority of the population can't do that. Me included. So he was told that it wasn't against the law to place a GPS tracker on another vehicle. It's not. It's not true. Oh, if you have That's not like given a people. person consent, yeah. it is illegal. Okay, so he's cool. trying to tell the officer, like the guys even put a GPS tracker on my car and he's like what it's not illegal it's and it's not. like and yeah I- actually yeah it is hey if it's illegal then go <laughs> ahead and arrest me okay so the Hillsborough officer noted that Steve really didn't seem receptive to his warnings because the officer's like guy you gotta back off but Steve just really wasn't hearing it and the officer told him if you continue to harass Kenneth you will end up in jail he was not cited or arrested at the time he was basically just told back the hell off can you be arrested for stalking um yeah there's laws okay there's um, laws, but can you be arrested? It's when, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's a fine idea. I'm okay. not entirely sure. A few weeks later, Kenneth applied for a stalking order against Steve, and in his report, he said that he was trying to kidnap me and possibly kill me or disfigure me. So you got to figure Steve's talking to Kenneth. 100%. And being like, I'm going to cut you up because mm-hmm. I'm a surgeon, and I'm going to take your heart out and cut it into little pieces. And he's probably you know saying all these things. And allegedly. that's exactly what I was picturing, that these are very specific terms that Kenneth's saying to the officer and putting in his report. Yeah, he's not I guarantee you Steve said these words to him. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. Steve went to court to fight the order and his attorney, Ross Dennison, argued that Steve's only motivation was what he had done to protect Kenneth's wife's physical safety. Like just exactly what he told the officer. He referred to Tanya as his intimate friend. Dennison played a recording trying to make, you know, Kenneth look like the demon monster in this situation. Apparently, Steve had started recording him probably when he was backed into a corner or something and really feeling threatened. And in the recording, apparently Kenneth had used multiple racial slurs. What he said, I have no idea. And threatened to put a bullet in Steve's head. Is Steve white or black? And Steve is a white guy. Is Kenneth white or black? I believe Kenneth is a white guy, from my understanding. Interesting. There we weren't any have pictures. Some racial things being talked about? Yeah. This is according to a legal filing that describes the recording. So the stalking order did not end the harassment, as oftentimes it doesn't. In August of 2022, Steve was finally arrested for an incident that happened in April. So just, you know, about a year or so ago, he was charged with violating the stalking order. And then this was the unlawful use of the GPS device that was placed under the car. There was still an image. There was a still image captured from a video that showed Steve placing the device under Kenneth's truck. And the lawsuit accuses Steve of an invasion of privacy and intentionally inflicting emotional harm, trespassing, and negligence. Who did, uh, who took the picture? Apparently, it was perhaps from a uh, security surveillance. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw the picture. It was kind of hard to see, but it was there. So the video showed someone crawling under the truck at night and then running away. And Tanya told police that Steve continually interjected himself into their lives before the stalking order. She said that they rarely went anywhere alone at this point because of fear. So Steve's kind of stalking both of them. Well, not Tanya, but by like by secondarily Mm -hmm. uh, Tanya because he's stalking Kenneth. Exactly. So at this point, they're trying to minimize their time out and about by themselves. They're going safety in numbers and trying to go out together. So the video showed someone, uh, or I already said that. So then on September 12th of 2022, Kenneth's attorney filed a lawsuit in, um, I'm going to hope not to uh, botch this name too much, um, Multnomah County Circuit Court for $245,000. And police filed criminal charges against Steve in Clackamas County for allegedly planting the GPS tracker under Kenneth's truck and for violating the stalking order, because he's certainly not staying away from him. We clearly see him crawling under the truck and placing this device. So Steve was released from custody pending a Clackamas County court date, and in the meantime was ordered to have no contact with Kenneth or Tanya. Fair enough. So the plan was that the criminal case was scheduled to go to trial in early March of this year. So, you know, probably a couple weeks from now. Mm -hmm. However, something happened. Something happened. Okay. On Friday night, January 27th, this was just a few weeks ago, if that. What is today? The 10th or something? I don't even know. So this was just a few weeks ago. Uh, this is going to be out on the 12th. Yeah. So um, less than that. So Tanya contacted police after Kenneth stopped responding to her phone calls. Oh, no. Oh, yes. 
So she utilized Find My iPhone and noted that his truck was at the Intel parking garage near the Rollner Acres campus in Hillsboro, Oregon. Kenneth was working on that campus as a contractor for the day. Police went to the location and found Kenneth dead inside of his truck. Was he cut up into pieces? With his cell phone right next to him in his truck. Uh. And the autopsy showed, well, first the officers are finding him. He had blunt force trauma is how they were found finding him to his neck. Jeez. So, um, again, his phone was right beside him in the car because you could tell he must have been, like, communicating with Tanya and then it just stopped. So, like, blunt force trauma to the neck. So, like, repeated blows that carotid or something? Like, how do you do that? An autopsy indicated that Kenneth was murdered and the cause of death is listed as blunt compression trauma to the neck. So, one would assume... Choking. Choking. Yeah. Yeah. So court records indicate that Steve continued to violate the court orders, continuing unwanted contact between just December 13th of 2022, right before Christmas, and until Kenneth's body was found. Reports indicate that the stalking order was violated at least seven times over the past two months. Like, what do you do in this situation? You know, all it is is like, I mean, not all it is. It is stalking. It's continued stalking. And it's like, do you put this person in jail? I mean, something needs to happen. That's hard. That's really hard to look into. I mean, a person's life could be ruined. Like Like, it just was. Yeah. Kenneth, unfortunately, passed and he was murdered. Probably by Steve. So Did they find any information? Well, I'll, I'll go on from here. Okay. And Tanya said that I never thought this would happen. Never. She said, I thought Steve was just an asshole. She it, didn't think it would ever end in her husband being murdered. And for anybody listening, I'm saying probably Steve because, I mean, we all are thinking Steve, obviously, but I got to be safe just to, you know, in case Steve sues us or something. So a couple weeks ago, it was January 31st. Steve was arrested. He was taken to the Washington County Jail and booked on charges of second degree murder, stalking and violating the stalking order. Jesus. Kenneth's friends came to the Multnomah County Courthouse just a couple days ago on February 6th to show their support, believing that his death could and should have been prevented. 100%. Friends as far back as high school came. They described Kenneth as the popular guy who was the class clown. They were absolutely shocked and saddened to hear of his murder. And again, they thought that more should have been done to protect their friend. Like, what the hell does Steve think he's going to do here? Like, everybody's going to be looking for you because you're the one with the order. It's all documented. Yeah. I mean, Kenneth is on documentation saying he's going to disfigure me. He's going to cut me up into pieces. And all of a sudden, he's found dead in his car at his place of business. Like, do you think it's something to do with just thinking he's like God, kind of? I don't know? know. I mean, he was a successful guy. His veterinary clinic... Is got like a shit ton of vets. Like it's a big place. Yeah, so I went to the website. He and probably was... thinks his like shit doesn't stink, and he's just elite and everything. That he's got everything together, and he's like, well, I'll figure it out. I got enough money to you know whatever. <laughs> I mean... But man, like they're they're gonna look at you the first person, man. Like he obviously anybody sane minded isn't gonna just kill somebody. But now what you can't be with Tanya because no, because now you're, you're behind be in bars. Jail. Yeah. And on February 8th, just like a couple days ago, Steve pled guilty or pleaded guilty or no, I'm sorry, not guilty. I was going to say, Big mistake there, not guilty. Yeah. Um, And in the meantime, this is like all just coming out. I I was researching this a couple days ago. I had to jump back on to because it just keeps coming out with more information. Wow. And the estate of Kenneth is suing Steve Milner for $10 million dollars course that's not going to bring kenneth back no but may as well try to bankrupt this piece of shit yeah and i mean we're all gonna wait and see what happens here because it's all just happened but uh, it's just so sad that kenneth was terrified there's reports he went to the cops yeah he did all the right things he did everything right right and yet in his place of business in a parking garage in the intel parking lot he was freaking murdered well that's the that's the thing about you know listening to a lot of true crime you're always like looking behind your shoulder you right. know and it's completely possible for somebody just to come wherever you're working and strangle you in your own car like anytime like that we just have to trust that people aren't going to do that to us right and this insane psychopath steve milner <laughs> just like had whatever i don't did he even say like what his end game was? I know because no, he didn't we, we don't know anything. There's I combed uh, every piece of information that was yeah. out there. There's nothing. Well, he's that, not going to say anything. He's, no, of course. To him, he didn't do it. He's going to pay somebody a lot of money to try mm-hmm. to get him off on lower charges. 
Oh my god! Hopefully they can find everything. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I really do. Oh, I'm sorry for Kenneth. Yeah, it's just terrible. So this next one um, is a more high-profile case. This actually happened to a, a movie star. Wow. So this is the story of Rebecca Schaefer. So Rebecca Schaefer was born in 1967 in Oregon to child psychologist and her father Benson Schaefer and her writer mom Dana Schaefer. She was an only child, and her dad, Benson, remembers we were very lucky as a family. She was sort of a mystery because if she wanted to do something, she could just do it. She really sort of learned by looking and doing, and it was just easy. The family moved to Portland when Rebecca was in high school, and she was very drawn to drama. She had her eyes immediately set on acting and modeling. She became a teen model at age 14 and moved to New York City at age 16 in hopes for bigger opportunities. So Rebecca loved her time in New York City. She landed a role in the popular ABC soap opera, One Life to Live. She was age 17 at that time. It was 1984. That's probably right when my mom was watching it every single day. I remember that being like on the VHS recordings. You would have been about five at that time. My mom loved that shit. So yeah, she was on that show. So a couple years later, it was 1986, Rebecca headed back towards the West Coast. She kind of did her thing in New York City, wanted to see what um, L.A. had to offer her. So she ended up landing a gig as a co-star as a kid's sister named Patty in the TV sitcom, sitcom My Sister Sam. Um, this was We were kind of young at this time, so I never watched this show. Never heard of it. But in July of 1989, actress... Uh, Rebecca Schaefer was on the brink of becoming a big star. It was the first season of My Sister Sam. It was a huge hit. And from what I understood, it was like placed exactly right. Because, of course, this was before DVR. What you watched on TV was what you watched at that time. And Thursday it was, or Friday night, like prime time. Yeah, it was nestled in between two popular shows and it, it took off. Probably Cheers and uh, Night Court. <laughs> I can't remember which one. <laughs> but she ended up on the cover of Seventeen magazine in the March of 1987 edition. She was also on the cover of the TV Guy. Do you oh. remember the TV guide? I used to love looking through the TV guide. I loved it. And I didn't even remember loving it until I read this. I was like, holy shit, the TV guide. <laughs> we don't need it anymore because it's all on the internet. Exactly. That thing yeah. on our phones. Well, that was like, and it came out every, what, month? Uh, no, I think it was weekly, maybe? I don't be, know. It was big. Yeah. It had stories and stuff. So I think it was like, so for the kids out there that yeah. don't know what we're talking <laughs> that they're about. They're like, what the hell's a TV guy? Yeah, it was like a, you had to subscribe to it, and every month you get sent this thing, and it had a bunch of stories, and you know, you would have like these new shows and stuff, but it would basically tell you what's going to be on TV every day. Oh, yeah. And it would be known a month in advance, so you'd already know. That's why they could send it out every month, you know, and you can like check off the things you want to re- oh, watch and that's, stuff. I'm so glad it's not just me. I was like, and being the nerd that I am, I would take a highlighter and highlight the shows i wanted to watch oh i didn't do it i wasn't a nerd well i, but I, I still am a nerd i heard about nerds that did it and yes, apparently i was one. one of them hi good <laughs> so at the time so anyway she was on the cover she was on with her co-star or co-star from my sister sam pam dauber and that was a big deal because at the time tv guide was the number one magazine in the u.s everybody had one every single person that watched tv had, had it even my like cheapskate of a dad we had the tv guide actually though. we never did so so it had <laughs> 40 million weekly readers so it was a big deal so my sister sam i guess its second season was put between or like against another show so it it just fizzled out um but regardless rebecca was still like continuing to gain momentum in success so um in june of 1989 rebecca co-starred in the movie scenes from the class struggle in beverly hills she had also finished filming the movie TV um, or TV movie Voyager of Terror, the Achille Loro Affair. Sounds it was, like a horror movie or something. Like it was apparently B-movie. about a real life um, hijacking of a cruise liner from 1985. Hmm. And it was even said that she was in the running for the lead role for Pretty Woman. Oh, with Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was actually with my mom today. My parents are up for the weekend. And I was asking my mom if she knew of this case. And immediately she knew the whole story. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Rebecca's friends remembered that the fame did not seem to face her at all. Um, and she was such a cute girl. I watched a bunch of videos with her. I mean, just absolutely precious she said it was fun but she didn't make a big deal about it soon rebecca started a relationship with a film student named brad silber silbering 
who she met on a blind date. He ended up going on to be a successful Hollywood director. At the time, though, they were so young. Brad was only 23 and she was 19. But I guess their relationship was like very serious and they were doing well together. It was kind of almost like scaring them how well they were doing together. Yeah, because like something should go wrong. We're right. in like Hollywood and we're doing well. <laughs> you know, we're not like going to cheat on each other. What's mm-hmm. going on? But everything would change on the morning of July 18th, 1989, when 21-year-old Rebecca was waiting for a delivery to her apartment. Later that day, she was scheduled for an audition for a highly sought-out role. Um, were you big on watching The Godfather? Nope, never watched any of them. And Shit. that's that, That's like the big thing in my life, if I could be selfish for a second, that I've never seen one of The okay. Godfathers. Um, I really, I have seen the Godfather, but I was, I was young. I don't even remember, but one of the uh, main characters is Michael Corleone. And I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that properly. You are. That last name. Okay. Got it. I mean, you don't have to have watched that to know that that's the right way to say it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't, people are like, (laughs) you "You idiots. So apparently the role that she was going for was Michael Corleone's daughter, Mary. So, and this was the Godfather part three. So this two was gigantic. Like one was really big and two was mm-hmm. like a lot of people consider it the best movie of all time. And three was the bit, I mean, it kind of flopped a little bit, I guess. Okay. But it was, it was fine. So it was a big deal. And the director is Francis Ford Coppola. And it was about 10, 15 in the morning. And basically what she was doing, she was at her apartment waiting because the script was going to be dropped off. It was going to be dropped off at any moment. Her dad remembers that when they spoke only a couple of days earlier, they talked about the importance of this role and how excited Rebecca was. She promised to call him right after she was done with the audition. She told her dad that she loved him, and unfortunately, this was the last time he heard his daughter's voice. My God. Little did Rebecca know that she had caught the attention of a psychopath. See, the reason I was so surprised is like we didn't hear about this person mm-hmm. that's uh, you know paying special attention to Rebecca here. So I'm sure you're going to tell us the backstory. Oh, I'm going to tell you. So 19-year-old um, Robert John Bardo first saw Rebecca three years earlier in 1986 on an episode of My Sister Sam when he was a freshman in high school. He felt he could identify with her, believing that they were both shy, genuine, kindred spirits. And so he began sending her tokens of his affection. He wrote her letters, and when she responded to one, he took this as his cue to travel 500 miles flying from Tucson, Arizona, where he lived, to Los Angeles to see her. So when he got to L.A., he went to the studio where she was filming. He brought her flowers as well as a five-foot-tall teddy bear. I mean, you're not inconspicuous walking down the streets by a movie studio holding a five-foot bear. But at the same time, you could probably go wherever you want because nobody's going to question you. It's like, well, obviously, this guy knows where he's going because he's got a five-foot-tall teddy bear. Well, they've got a lot of security at these places. So he told security that he was a friend and that he was supposed to come. Rebecca knew nothing about the situation because they're calling her in her trailer or whatever. She's like, I don't have a friend coming. So security denied his access. Okay, good. Robert left. He felt sad and frustrated. He was not expecting it to happen. He thought he was going to march himself right in, hand her the flowers, hand her the teddy bear. So apparently he came back a second time and security described him as agitated and very angry. Chief of security at the Burbank Studios, Jack Egger, just thought that he was a lovesick fan. He recalls that he was terribly insistent to be let in, saying, I gotta see her. I love her. If I could just see her for a minute. And he thinks that as soon as we see each other, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy is a big fan and I love him. Mm -hmm. It's delusionals. Um, So no one was notified of the situation. It basically just ended here. Like, okay, lovesick fan, go on. So nobody thought we should do something about this. This could be potentially dangerous. No writing it down and documenting it. Right. Yeah. And really, Rebecca wasn't fully, I think, aware of the whole, like, situation. Yeah. So... You know, giving you a little backstory on Robert. He was born in 1970. He was one of seven children. He was abused and neglected by his mentally ill mother and alcoholic father and his cruel older brother. His grades were good during middle school, though letters he wrote to one of his teachers show that there were definitely issues happening. Now, I want to comment on that a little bit. A lot of times, you know, we say, well, you know, there's definitely issues and, you know, that's you know probably part of what led to it. But there's a lot of people that have a lot of horrible issues that don't end up stalking and killing people. Of course. Or anything. So obviously there's a lot more than just a bad upbringing. Sure. 
he definitely had some mental issues happening. Yeah. So he's writing his middle school teacher about suicide as well as the murder of others. Wow. So of course she's, you know, very terrified about this. So his teacher greatly urged his parents to seek psychiatric help for their son. Though other than a few counseling sessions, no real action was really taken at this time. And as he got older, as it often happens, his mental health only further deter- deteriorated. Mm-hmm. So as he reached high school, he was placed in foster care for a short period of time. And in the summer of 1985, he was admitted to a psychiatric hospital where he was deemed to have severely emotional handicaps. And then um, they also had determined that his family was pathological and dysfunctional, which is hard because you can do some treatment, but if follow through is not happening on the home side of things, it's really hard for the mental health professionals to to get anywhere. Yeah, you need repeated you know, visits. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. your medications to be monitored and yeah. all that. And that's never going to happen at this house. No, not with there's so many problems going on in the home. Yeah. So he was diagnosed as bipolar. He was making positive progress while he was at the facility. So there was potential happening there. But then his parents removed him after only a month. So the progress was just halted. And then he dropped out of high school despite continued excellent grades. He basically went on to work as a janitor at the Jack in the Box fast food restaurants out in Tucson, Arizona. Wow. So he was described as socially awkward and inappropriate. At night, he would walk through his neighborhood and and downtown Tucson making obscene gestures and just really being generally disruptive. Like it's kind of the guy you'd see on your side of the street and you would want to cross because you don't know what he's potentially capable like of could push doing. you into a street like in front of a car yeah you know, yeah i got just if very, you've ever been in a big city you know exactly what you're talking about very erratic you could just kind of tell he was mentally not well just even looking at pictures of him just still pictures of him you could see that in his mm-hmm. eyes in the 18 months before his interactions with rebecca he was arrested three times for domestic violence antisocial behavior i don't i don't know how that's thrown in as a reason for arrest yeah i mean sometimes i have antisocial behavior on the weekends there's times i don't feel like talking to anybody right can't arrest me for it nope um though he pleaded no contest each time and again we are saying he's walking around the neighborhood and like gesturing inappropriately i'm sure he was doing some sexual gestures in the meantime rebecca had moved on she had gone to a two-story apartment near the top of laurel canyon in, in l.a It was a very quiet area. It's at the top of a canyon. And Rebecca found herself, you know, she's young. She was scared at times when she was home alone at night. It's probably one of the first times she's living alone. Sure. She was often calling her boyfriend, Brad, you know, oh, I'm hearing noises. And he's He's like, it's okay. Yeah. He's like, you're okay. Don't worry. You probably watched a movie Mm -hmm. or read a book or something. Everything's fine. So Judy Crown, which was a hairstylist on the set of My Sister Sam, described Rebecca as very beautiful, very sweet, but a little bit naive. When Judy noticed Rebecca receiving gifts on set, as well as like fan mail and all these other things, she was urging Rebecca not to respond, saying, I don't have a good feeling about this. People are sometimes crazy. I think you should just ignore it. That's interesting because like as a fan, you want to write a letter and be like, mm-hmm. oh, you're cool. But I, I guess it's the type of letter it is. Like, yeah. you know, if it's a fan mail, like, hey, I really appreciate your work. Then you send like an automated letter back where if it's like, I love you, I think we should be together. Yeah, you don't respond to those. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you burn them and hopefully they never find their way again. Exactly. So she, you said she did respond to him at she, some point. She did. Ah. So Jenny O'Hara um, was also from My Sister Sam. She described Rebecca as just the same beautiful, funny, someone who would be a remarkable actress. Rebecca was so happy and excited to be receiving fan mail. You know, she was like, wow, people are so nice. They're saying such great things. Are you going to tell us what her letter said to him? She basically was signing photos of herself. Um, Again, they're urging her, don't write anything more than just your name. Just sign your name. Right. She did not heed their advice. She wrote to Robert that his message was one of the nicest letters she had received oh no that's like a pouring gas on the fire mm-hmm. oh and she was just trying to be nice she was being a precious sweet soul that she was yeah because he's probably saying you're beautiful and you're such a great actress and whatever mm-hmm. she's like oh it probably made her feel good so yep. i want to make this person feel good and little so, does she know the possibilities out there this made uh, him think that oh there's a chance for me and that's where he got on the plane and went over there and gave the teddy bear and the flower tried to but geez. was denied so then Robert saw Rebecca in a love scene and scenes from the class struggle. And all of a sudden, his opinion of her flipped. 
he felt as if she had betrayed him. Robert was someone with a troubled childhood, as we've established. So he had definitely threatened people in the in the past. He'd threatened teachers before, classmates. So in July of 1989, he went to a gun store in Tucson. He tried to purchase a firearm, though the man who was um, at the counter, I guess he was owner of the gun store, he, he definitely noticed. Again, if you look at this guy, you can tell there's something not right here. And in case you want to pause and look at him, Robert John Bardo, B-A-R-D-O? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the gun owner just thought there, there might be some issues mentally here. He asked some probing questions, and Robert did reveal that he had a history of mental illness. Illness. So he told him, I'm, I'm, I can't sell you this gun. So he sent him away. So then Robert comes home. He persuades his brother, Edward, to buy him a handgun. His brother assumed he was going to use the gun for target practice. He did not realize the obsession that he held for Rebecca. Robert purchased hollow, bullet, uh, hollow point bullets, which expand on impact, causing more damage yeah. after they've penetrated. They're especially lethal. I, didn't, I did not know what those were. So after the gun had been purchased, Robert hired a private investigator who found Rebecca's home address very easily. He just went to the DMV and he hands Robert a piece of paper. Here you go. This is where this girl lives. That's what he's paying him to do. So Robert told his sister that he was going to L.A. to save Rebecca. He then boarded a Greyhound bus and headed towards L.A. again with the gun packed inside of his bag, as well as a copy of The Catcher in the Rye. And this book is worth mentioning because this is what Mark David Chapman carried when he shot John Lennon. Hmm. So apparently, you know, he identified with this. So he arrived in L.A. very early in the morning. It was about 5 a.m. on Tuesday, July 18th, 1989. Only days before he headed to L.A., he threatened to kill his neighbors with his gun because he was angry that they were having a party. So Rebecca was not the first person also that he had stalked. Shortly after moving to Tucson, he stole money from his mom and tried to take a trip to meet a young peace activist named Samantha Smith, though he was picked up by authorities before he could even make it. Then he also took a bus to New York City in 1988 in hopes of meeting Debbie Gibson. He was unsuccessful. So Rebecca is not the first person. He's had a lot of different tries with a lot of different stars. And uh, Rebecca is just the next one on the list. Mm -hmm. So Rebecca had no idea that the person that was sending her love letters had suddenly snapped. She was a very kind and trusting person. I mean, she wouldn't even know this guy's name, right? I mean, she probably gets so much fun. She's living her life, having no idea this person is getting on a Greyhound bus Purchased a gun, went to hire a private investigator. She's blissfully unaware that this is happening. Yep. On the morning of July 18th, as she waited for her script to be dropped off, the intercom outside her apartment wasn't working. So when Rebecca came to the front door, so she hears the buzzing, she can't speak back in it. She has to come down to the front door. Good security. I looked at the building. It's it's a small building. I think there's like seven units. So it's not like a big old apartment building or anything like that. So she comes to the front door expecting her script. Instead, she found Robert. She doesn't know him. He showed her the letter that she had sent him. As it was an autographed photo. Do you know what time this was? It was morning, around 10.15 in the morning. Yeah, the, the script was supposed to get there around 10.15. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, she was very kind to him. Um, he showed her the letter and he told her that um, he was her biggest fan. She nicely told him that she had to get ready for an interview. She said to him, please take care. And she shook his hand. And he seemed pleased by that. He he turned around, he left, and he went to eat at a diner. Wow. Okay. I mm-hmm. didn't expect that. But I guess he saw a CD that he had brought, and he wanted to go back to her and give it to her. Ugh. So well, he, anybody like this is just going to continually mm-hmm. be obsessed. And he's right there, you yeah. know, he's he right. He knows where she lives. He saw her and he said, I, I listened to him speak and he was just so casual about it. He was basically saying like, she came to the door, like she was wearing normal clothes. Like this actress was just standing there right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. They're all normal people. Just like, like yeah, you, she's a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, you put them on a pedestal when she's hanging out in her apartment. She's probably wearing sweats and a t-shirt. Yeah. Poops and peas, just like you. Exactly. So he goes back. He rings her doorbell a second time. And when she came down, Robert claims that she told him, you are wasting my time. And she, he said that this just set him off. He 
at that moment, according to what he's thinking, didn't necessarily go back to shoot her. However, there's a gun tucked in the back of his belt. Yeah. So don't tell me he didn't have the intent to, to, to harm her. So he told Rebecca that he forgot to give her something. And with that, he reached his hand back and withdrew the gun from his waistband and shot her once in the chest. Aww. The bullet penetrated her heart and she fell to the floor foyer floor just basically screaming and this was in his words over and over why 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 uh, terribly perfect shot and terribly imperfect shot oh it makes me sick a neighbor heard the gunshot and rebecca sobs and she ran out there she called an ambulance she saw a man wearing a yellow shirt with short kinky hair running up the block rebecca was rushed to the hospital where she died less than 30 minutes after she had been shot Rebecca's agent, Jonathan Howard, had to call her parents to break the devastating news. They're waiting for a call from her to be telling them how her interview for The Godfather went. And instead, they're getting a call from her agents. Oh, it just makes me sick that she's, that she's no gone here anymore. That's just uh, you don't expect to hear great. Like, imagine being going from expecting great news or at least like, oh, yeah, the, the, the script is here. I'm reading it. It looks like really good to your daughter has been shot and she's she's gone yeah they said that they couldn't believe it like they had to get on a plane and go to la and see her in the morgue i guess the mom she's she she couldn't believe it until she saw her daughter's body because it's just like how could this be everything was going so well and now you're just telling me my daughter's gone no longer here and her agent said even after 30 years have passed it's the hardest thing i've ever had to do yeah i'm sure and hollywood friends were just like absolutely stunned that a so-called fan could literally just ring your doorbell yeah of your home pull up a gun and just shoot you dead right there on your porch we just have to trust that people aren't out to do the worst possible thing but in the meantime authorities they don't know who this person is they they have no idea could be anybody so they're um, launching an air and ground search near Rebecca's apartment. And in the meantime, Roberts traveled back to Tucson. However, one day after Rebecca was killed, he is running down the freeway in Tucson screaming, I shot Rebecca Sh- Schaefer. Oh, well, that's handy. He, I mean, yeah, he just like gave himself up. He said when he shot her, he flopped back and forth whether or not he should just lift the gun and just shoot himself in the head, but he chose not to. He's too much of a, a coward. Coward, yeah. So police officers are patting him down, and, you know, they don't know if this guy's legit. Is he telling the truth? Right. He's just in heard Tucson. The you heard the story. You're deranged. He's carrying a, um, a picture of Rebecca, and he was extremely disheveled. His clothes were dirty his hair was a mess it looked like he hadn't slept all all night so they're quickly realizing putting two two together that this is the person who killed her rebecca's thank god God he did that mm -hmm, i know thank god he ran down the street thank god he was caught like that yeah rebecca's funeral was held in portland oregon it was standing room only some people even sat outside the synagogue Her dad recalls being in a state of just absolute unreality. He said that the world just seemed physically wrong Mm -hmm. because like everything in your world is just changed and awful, but it's still going on around you like it's normal. You expect everybody to look at you and be like, I'm so sorry, even people that don't know you because they see like the the dread and the sadness in your face. But no, no, they're just going on their normal day. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't know that my daughter just got shot by some psychopath and her steps was screaming why like that's just so sad it's terrible mm-hmm. um bardo was extradited back to california and his trial began in late september of 1991 he was found guilty of first degree murder his attorneys of course were hoping for second degree murder due to mental illness though during the trial you know people are testifying his siblings are talking about the gun and how he had planned to go it was very clear that this was premeditated it was controlled it was methodical okay and in december of 1991 um he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole rebecca's murder prompted the anti-stalking law in 1990 in california it has since been enacted in all 50 states this law prohibits repeated unwanted forms of contact and communication that are creating fear for the recipients Howard, Rebecca's agent, said, I lost a friend, Hollywood lost a rising star, and the world lost an angel. Mm. Um, But, you know, again, we talked about with the first case that, okay, yeah, you can 
tell the person, all right, you're going to be sentenced to this, that or the other if you continue to to contact them. But like we saw in Kenneth's case, he was contacted more than seven times in a two month period of time with that, you know, in place. So and I mean, there's for every time there's a story where it ends horribly terrible like this, the stalking case, I'm sure 90% probably end with nothing, you know? Yeah, but I've heard many stories where a person doesn't know what to do, they have to literally almost change their identity and move uh, like repeatedly if you just happen to meet a person that just has an obsession with you it's horrible you know and that's that's one of the things you got to worry about in anything like even us like with our podcast like what if there's somebody who just thinks you're like unbelievably gorgeous and well um from reading our one star review that we had earlier sometime i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't think anyone's gonna be stalking me i didn't know well that was that person you know he's like that guy's not gonna be stalking you. <laughs> that that person's not gonna stalk me because yeah. they don't like my voice yeah that's uh, we, we hear that every once in a while hey. i am gonna have a major complex i didn't want to read the whole thing i took i left out a lot of it um oh god what else is there don't read it it's not good it's some asshole just uh, it's like if you don't like my voice or her voice just go to another podcast okay i don't like when people complain about stuff well it's just why be mean yeah why be mean it's just not my mo i'm yeah. not gonna live my life that way good you shouldn't i'm well, gonna shake it off I'm, just like taylor swift right shake it off um well sorry for rebecca and her family oh, it's just terrible also sorry for kenneth and his family mm-hmm. um terrible stories but yeah if you're i guess you know don't feel bad telling the police if you feel threatened definitely mm-hmm. tell the police the more information the better if you're feeling stalked then go ahead keep that's what they're there for right. Do- document everything so well thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it and i want to say especially if you like these episodes uh we do bonus episodes every we other do. week every other week we release a bonus episode wednesdays around noon eastern mm-hmm. okay so um if you're uh, interested in that at all go ahead over to the show notes and become a patron and you'll see all about it right and i want to say thank you to all of our lovely patrons including but not limited to colleen lily nadine Allie, michael kayla dominic brian shannon elizabeth mandy alana Vivian, Trisha, Lauren, Megan, Jamie, Chastity, Elizabeth, Clara Ann, Emily, Kathy, Ava, Jovi, Eileen, Misty, Rochelle, Destiny, Ellie, Sherry, Melanie, Bettina, Rebecca, Gabrielle, Angela, Sabrina, Sandra, Taylor, Dana, Ashley, Mindy, Sandy, Justine, Lauren, Heather, Louise, Jasmine, Bex, Brittany, Patricia, and Michelle. List is growing every single week, and mm-hmm. I can't thank you enough. We can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, it's our goal to try to get Allison on off of her regular payroll onto this payroll full time by the end of the year. See One never knows. I, I don't ever like to talk about stuff like, you know, because you never know. Hey, the way Spotify and other things are growing, Apple Podcasts, who knows? One but, never knows. All we can do is our best. Yeah. Keep telling your friends. We appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's about it. So Maybe I'll go and get like a voice change or something. Um, maybe that will help. Maybe a boob job maybe i'll get a boob job yeah i also get a boob job once we get to a hundred thousand patrons do not say that well you will i I mean you should (laughs) no it'd be fun it'd be like Um, i'm 43 years old i don't have any desire for that jazz true. i I don't really care either no i think they're fine i'm fine the way that i am and you know what my voice is fine the way that it is they're floppy and fine and i'm not gonna apologize (laughs) for it you didn't even catch i called them floppy. bite me mike they're not floppy bite me uh, okay. Anyways, thank you so <laughs> well, much thank for listening. Thank you guys. And until next time, bye. bye.